Father, what a joy and what a privilege it is to be led in worship by our children. Lord, there's something miraculous about uh, the sparkle in their eyes and the joy in their hearts and the words that they say that just bring us very near to Jesus. And we're just so thankful, Lord, that uh, we've been privileged to be in the presence of these children today. Lord, I just want to lift up our congregation. We have such a wonderful group of Christ followers in our church, but many of them, uh, for different reasons, have been suffering physically and even uh, psychologically with all of this COVID things, uh, loss of jobs, uh, loss of life, uh, all kinds of things during this last year. Lord, I just want to lift them up to you and just remind us of your promise in the Psalms that the Lord is near. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And Lord, I just pray that you would be very near to each and every one of our, our people who are struggling right now. Lord, I also want to thank you for the great privilege of uh, being your church. We are your children. You have chosen us. You have blessed us. You have told us that we matter to you. And we're so thankful for that, Lord, uh, We that we are your children. Lord, throughout our world, uh, there's uh, many broken hearts. There are many sick people. Many people are dying from this terrible pandemic. Lord, I pray that you would bring comfort to them, that you would be near them. And Lord, as we pray each, each Lord's Day, we pray, Lord, that this pandemic would be brought to an end soon. I pray, Lord, that the vaccine would work and be effective and, and really change the direction and the course of this. And Lord, we just lift uh, all those up to you who are suffering right now. Lord, we now have the privilege of opening your word. And every time we open your word, we ask you to open our hearts, open our minds, open our souls to receive this word. And Father, this message specifically, I just really believe, is a message for your people today. Open our hearts, open our minds to receive your word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, all of us are looking for Christmas joy, just like we experienced this morning with our children. And many of us also are looking for Christmas miracles. We fight to keep Jesus in the center of our celebrations. And because our society is so wrapped up in commercialization, it's very difficult to remember the reason for the season. It reminds me of the story of a third grade teacher who asked the children in her class to share uh, their most favorite Christmas Eve memories, uh, and specifically out of their religious traditions. So one little boy who was raised a Protestant said, well, our tradition is we go to a Christmas Eve service, and uh, then we come home, and we get to unwrap one gift, and, and then we, we uh, sing Christmas carols. So that was his tradition in his family. And then a little girl spoke up and said, well, I, I come from the Catholic tradition, and what we do is we're allowed to, again, open one gift before we go to midnight mass, and then after, at the end of midnight mass, we always sing Ave Maria. And then a third child uh, raised his hand, a little boy who was raised in a Jewish home. 
And he said, my parents um, work in a mall. They have a retail store. And, uh, and at the end of the Christmas Eve shopping day, and all of the shoppers have gone home, we turn out all the lights in our store. We gather around the, gas, the cash register. We light a candle. And we sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> All of us have traditions that matter to us. And all of us are looking for some form of a miracle. So where can we find a Christmas miracle this Christmas season? You'll be surprised to find that it can be found in, well, a pretty unusual place. In fact, in the life of a 14-year-old girl by the name of Mary. I'd like to read you the uh, part of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 1 that precedes the story that we always hear on Christmas Day, right? Uh, Luke chapter 2. And here, uh, it's the birth of Jesus that's being foretold and the specific incident where the angel Gabriel comes to visit Mary. Uh, this is Luke chapter 1. I'll be re reading from verse 26 through verse 38. I'll be reading in the New a living testament, and I encourage you to join with me. This is the word of God for the people of God at Grace Community Church. In the sixth month, sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Or those of you that remember the old King James Version, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could possibly mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she's now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Isn't that a beautiful story? Now, for those of you from the Catholic tradition, the words of Luke 128 seem rather familiar. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. That's part of the liturgy that's familiar to you. You've grown up with it, and it seems very normal to you. But if you're like me, raised in a Protestant tradition, you might be well, a little uncomfortable or even a little nervous about these words. In the Protestant tradition, we have really downplayed the role of Mary because of the perceived excess of deifying Mary, 
putting her in the same spiritual plane as Jesus. So today, I'd like to invite you to forget your traditions for a little while, your preconceived notions, and let's come to the text with fresh eyes and fresh hearts. I want to introduce to you a concept that will be, I believe, both surprising and profound. And I simply call it the Mary Miracle. Listen again to these verses in 31 to 33. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be a very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. As we look at this amazing text, there are four parts to what I call the Mary miracle. The first part is this, that the Son of God, Jesus, will literally come alive in Mary. The second thing is that the Son of God, who is alive in Mary, will literally grow in her and change her, mark her. Her, her, her womb will swell. The third thing is the Son of God who comes alive in Mary and grows in Mary shall come forth from her and his name will be called Jesus. And then the fourth thing is this. And the Son of God who is alive in Mary and grows in Mary and comes forth from Mary will radically change the world around her. He shall be great. Verse 32. Now what makes this miracle, truly a miracle, is that it didn't just happen 2,000 years ago in Mary's womb. This miracle has happened over and over and over again and continue, continues to happen today. You might be saying, well, pastor, I don't get it. What are you trying to get out in this? Well, let me explain it this way. The Son of God, Jesus, will come alive in you. And this Son of God, Jesus, who comes alive in you, will literally grow in you, will grow in your heart. And this Son of God who comes alive in your heart and grows in your light will life, your heart will come forth from you. And this Son of God who comes alive in you and grows in you and comes forth from you will change the world around you. So the point of my message today, and truly, truly the passion of my heart, is this is what I want to say to each and every one of you this morning. Have a Merry Christmas. Spelling's not incorrect. Have a Merry Christmas. Have a Christ being born in you Christmas. Have a Christ growing in you Christmas. Have a Christ coming forth from you Christmas. And have a Christ, have a, as Christ comes alive in you and grows in you and comes forth from you, he will change the world around you Christmas. Have a merry Christmas. Now this 
is in me deeply. This idea that Christ lives within us. And I want you to look at verse, uh, a verse in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Listen to these words. For you have been born again. Okay, we know, that, we know that language, right? We know that language. We've been born again, born physically and born spiritually. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Now, that word for seed, I don't want to be indelicate, but that word in the Greek language is spermata. And it means that this reality of Jesus is born in your heart by faith. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Paul says in Colossians 1.27. Paul says, this is the story, this is the mystery that is kept hidden from all of the prophets, all of the angels, and this is now coming alive in you. That Jesus Christ, just as he was born in Mary, that Jesus Christ can be born in you. Christ can be, come alive in you. Christ can grow in you. Christ can come forth from you. And Christ can change the world around you. So my brothers and sisters in Christ, my friends at Grace Community Church, hear the word of God and the message that I want to share with you today. Have a merry Christmas. A Christ being born in you Christmas. A Christ growing in you Christmas. A Christ coming forth from you Christmas. And a Christ that changes the world. Now, there's some wonderful truths around this merry miracle, and I'd like to share with you two key components of what this means. The first is this. God's grace is within us. God's grace is within us. Luke 1.28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. That word favored is the same literal meaning as the word grace. Mary, you are highly graced. You are the graced one. Now, we know what grace means, right? We've talked about that before. And we use an acrostic, uh, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. We know that and we embrace that. But here's the real key to this. Justice, and we all want justice, right, in our world. Justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. God lavishing and pouring out his love and his mercy and his forgiveness on your life. None of us deserves that, and yet he pours that out upon you. Mary, you are graced to carry the Son of God. You have not earned the right You are not even worthy, but out of God's mercy, he has chosen you, he has graced you to carry the Son of God. And God has chosen the same for each and every one of you, for David and Donna, for Sue, for each and every one of you. You have been given the privilege of Christ being born in you, of Christ growing in you, of Christ coming forth from you, and Christ changing the world around you. Years ago, I, um, when I was at Hope, uh, a young woman came to ask me for a, a, a session, and um, 
she came in. She, was, she and her boyfriend had been attending our church for just a few months. Her name was Michelle. As she came in, she said, I have so much burden and brokenness and sin in my heart, in my life. I don't know what to do. And I shared with her the good news of Jesus, how that Jesus wants to come into her heart and take up residence in her heart, in her life. And I'll never forget what she said. She said, there is no room in my heart for anything else. It's so filled with shame and brokenness and sin. I said, but that's the miracle of Jesus. He wants to take all of that shame and that burden and that sin out of your heart. He puts that on his own life. He goes to the cross and dies for your sins so that your heart is free from all of that. And now there is room in your heart for Jesus. And that afternoon, she prayed to receive Christ. Uh, These years later, she's a wonderful Christ follower. There's something amazing when you recognize that Jesus wants to fill your heart with him. With him. As with Mary, there's nothing you can do to earn God's favor, to be worthy of this great gift. God says, I grace you. I pick you. I choose you. You I will come alive in. Now, I think some of us have come to believe that our happiness and our contentment or our joy comes from what the society tells us really matters, accumulations, accomplishments, and accolades. But we recognize that our identity is not about that, about what we do. It's not about whether or not you're lovable, and some of you are and some of you aren't, right? It's not about all of that. The Mary Miracle says that it's not what you do. She was a lowly handmaiden. But simply, God graces you because he loves you. I mean, listen to Mary's objections. She said, I, I, I'm too young. I'm a virgin. I'm uneducated. I'm a lowly handmaiden. I have no career. I have nothing in front of me. All of these objections, and yet, Jesus says, no, you're the one. God says, you're the one I choose to see the Son of God born in. Now, all of us have those yabbits, right? Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm not smart enough, or I don't have enough faith, or I, I'm this, or I'm that. But God says, no, no, it's none of that. It's I have chosen you. And I'm talking to each and every one of you in this room, each and every one of you listening in. I have chosen you to have my Son, Jesus Christ, come alive in and grow in and come forth from and change the world around you. I mean, that kind of love. You are blessed. You are favored. You are graced. God has chosen you for Christ to live in you. The love of God is simply unimaginable. May may Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, the scripture tells us. Really? Is that possible? Do we really hear what the Bible is saying about how much God loves us? Brendan Manning, one of my favorite books of all time, The Ragamuffin Gospel, says this. Do we really hear what Paul is saying? Stretch, man, stretch. Let go of impoverished, circumscribed, and finite perceptions of God. 
The love of Christ is beyond all knowledge, beyond anything we can intellectualize or imagine. It is not a mild benevolence, but a consuming fire. Jesus is so unbearably forgiving, so infinitely patient, and so unendingly loving that he provides us with the resources we need to live lives of gracious response. Ephesians 3.20, glory be to him whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. The merry miracle means God's grace comes alive in us. God's grace grows in us. God's grace comes forth from us and is put on others around us, right? And God's grace changes the world around us. It's the merry miracle. There's a second part to that. And this I really love. God's eyes are upon us. This is one of those um, amazing truths in Scripture. Now, in the text, the angel Gabriel was dispatched by God to send a message to this girl, Mary. Now, Gabriel was not just an angel. Uh, Gabriel and Michael were angels of um, significant rank, you might say. Very dissimilar. This last week, Sharon and I watched It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you have watched It's a Wonderful Life? Okay. If you haven't, make sure you do that before Christmas is over. Uh, it's a wonderful life. And in there, Clarence is dispatched by St. Peter's, is supposed to be the voice, to go and fix somebody because Clarence is trying to what? Get his wings, right? He's angel second class. He doesn't have his wings quite yet. Um, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about an angel of the greatest order, an archangel. He and Michael are the two top-notch ones, right? And uh, can you imagine God giving Gabriel his, his marching orders? I mean, in the case of the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, you know, you hear this voice and you hear uh, Clarence talking. And no, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the God of the universe gazing to the eyes of Gabriel and saying something like this. Now, Gabriel, um, I'm going to give you an assignment, but you need to understand something. And you can just see God's eyes blazing into Gabriel. You need to understand something. There has never been, nor ever will be, a more important, a more needed, a more desired message than you are going to deliver. So you, I want you to take this very, very seriously. Can you imagine Gabriel just speak from the, the face of God and he's given this? And so here's what Gabriel did. God says, first of all, I want you to go find the earth. Okay, you can do that. And then I want you to find this, this kind of region called the Middle East. And uh, then I want you to call, uh, I want you to find this um, area called Galilee. And in this area of Galilee, there's a little tiny uh, town called Nazareth. And there in that town, you will find a lowly handmaiden, a young girl, and her name is Mary. And so, boom, Gabriel shoots off and he's dispatched to do the most important work that anyone has ever done in the universe. And that is to proclaim this truth. Mary, you are chosen by God. 
You are blessed. You are graced by God. You will, by the Holy Spirit, have the Son of God come alive in you. And the Son of God will grow in you. And the Son of God will come forth from you. And the Son of God will change the world around you. Do you see what, what, what is happening here? What God is saying to Mary is this. I know who you are. You think you're the most insignificant person on the planet. But I know who you are. I know where you live. I can find you. I know what your heart is. I know what you think and feel and believe. I have found you. You matter to me. I know you don't think you matter to like anybody else on the planet, like you're nothing, but you matter to me. I know your heart. I know what you need. I care deeply about you. And I so desperately want you to carry Jesus in you. I will do anything to show you that love. How about you? Do you ever feel like the eyes of the Lord are not on you? Now, for this, this message, for this idea of Jesus knowing where you are, knowing how to find you, for some that's very warming and beautiful, and for others that's kind of terrifying. Because all of us have had times in our lives when we have tried to run away I'm sure Mary, if she hadn't been visited by that angel, she would have disappeared. I mean, you know, when, when she heard this, oh, man, this just doesn't make any sense. I'm not sure I want to do this. This is crazy. I'm, you find, find somebody that's better than I am at this. But, but God says, listen, I know who you are, Mary. And I know where you live. And I can find you. And I will find you. I remember when um, I was in the middle of my deception my gambling addiction. I remember driving down I-35, going from Hinkley down to Shoreview, where I lived, in, in the car late at night after I had been gambling. And, and I remember this one particular time. I was feeling shame and guilt, as you would expect. I was crying out to the Lord. And, and I, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I heard an actual message to me from God. And this is what he said. I'm not ashamed of you. I just love you. And I want you to come home. I'm not ashamed of you. And, and, he, and, and I knew God was saying this to me. I know where you are right now. Nobody else does. But I know where you are. And I know who you are. And I know what I want for you. Because I have chosen you, Dwayne Cross. I have chosen you to carry Jesus. I have chosen you to allow him to come alive in you, to grow in you. I have chosen him to come forth from you to other people and to change the world around you. Proverbs 15, 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. So brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the Mary miracle. This is the transforming message of Christmas. And it's my passion for each and every one of you as your pastor that Christ can come alive in you. And if he hasn't, he can do that today. And that the Christ who comes alive in you will grow in you. And the Christ that comes alive in you and grows in you will come forth from you. And the Christ that comes alive in you and grows in you and comes forth from you will change the world around you. So my word to each and every one of you.
is have a Merry Christmas. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, sometimes we're just kind of afraid of this kind of commitment, this kind of love, this kind of passion, this kind of power, this, um, the furious love of God that's coming toward us when we recognize that we have been chosen like Mary to carry the Son of God within our hearts. That's such an awesome privilege, but it's also very scary. And, but Lord, you have made it so clear that you wanted to redeem this planet. You wanted to redeem every person on this planet, that you have made a choice to come into each and every one of our hearts. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. There's room in my heart for you. We sing that every Christmas season. And so this morning, I just want to give an opportunity. If there are those of you that are here in the building, those of you who are listening, maybe you have never taken this step of saying, Jesus, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Use me. Grow in me. Come forth from me. Change the world around me. Lord Jesus, I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. The scripture tells us in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with you. And so this morning, and you can only do this by faith, you can't do this by really trying hard, but simply by faith. If you've never said, Jesus, come into my heart, I want to give you the opportunity right now to do that. I'd like you to pray with me, not out loud, but in the quietness of your own heart, a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Take up residence in my life. Cleanse me from my sin. Remove all of the shame and burden from my heart so there's room in my heart for you. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me for all of my failures, for all of the things I've done wrong. I ask you to fill me with your love and your peace and your joy. And I ask you to come alive in me so that you can grow in me and you can come forth from me and you can change the world around me. And I pray this prayer in the precious name of Jesus. If you prayed that prayer this morning, whether you're here in our church or online, I just invite you to do something that sounds kind of scary, but you really need to do this. The Bible says that we are to confess our faith to others. And just find someone today. If you're here in the building, I want you to do it with me. But just find someone and tell me, you know what? I said yes to Jesus today. Today, I invited him into my life, into my heart to live in me, to change me, to grow in me, to change the world around me. I invited Jesus into my life. And for each of us, I would just invite you to allow this message to be your North Star. This merry miracle in you. Rejoice in it. Believe it. Live it. And allow the King of the universe to come alive in you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.